future take me there? It's a new day for me. I feel it in my bones. I feel alive. I am set free. It's a new day for me. And nothing in this world will interfere. This is my year. song. Good morning. So I'm Rick, one of the ministers here. Welcome to First City. Thank you for being here. Hey, by the way, uh, did you have a good Christmas? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did any of you get the uh, Dancing with Jesus book for a gift for Christmas? Anybody? Savannah, you got one? My son gave me a, I got a bunch of new dance moves now. Uh, there's the, uh, the, the water walk. I haven't mastered that one yet. There's the uh, Lazarus Lurch. It looks a little bit like Michael Jackson, you know, kind of stuff. There's the, remember when he went into the temple? There's the temple slam where he's, you know, I I can do that one. So there's a whole lot of really cool dance moves if you're into that. It's a new year. We're beginning a new year. And there's a lot of transitions. You know, a lot of people are involved you know, in, in, in uh, just going on right now. We talked about one of them with our worship team. And they've done such a great job. They've got such great hearts. They've just poured their lives into it. And, and we've had uh, all these transitions for our worship team. And uh, our worship leader, uh, Tyler and his wife, Jess, uh, originally, it's like, hey, in fact, if you haven't seen their picture, here's their picture. So there, there they are. He was worship director at Cornerstone Church. Uh, 700 members, multiple campuses. However, now he's our worship leader here. Not supposed to be here until, you know, the first and, and, and next Sunday. However, they could not wait to get here. And so if you have not met them, they're in here today for their first service. Tyler, would you and Jess just stand up? Just stand up. Let us recognize you. There they are, right? 
It was so much fun. So Friday night they get here and we're like in your, and Jess, your parents have already taken off if they are, but they'll be back here in a couple of weeks, right? And Tyler, I think your parents are going to come. So we'll get to meet all their parents here in a couple of weeks. And, and so Tyler will be leading worship. And he really, he said, I just want to get to know your team. And so the first couple of weeks, he's just like coming into our team. And then as he be, begins to lead us, I'm so excited about all that. And God has really blessed us through all that transition. So uh, also in the back with our children's ministry, we've been going through a transition. This past year has been a year of transition. And uh, some of that's just difficult and some of it's just exciting. And so new paint job, a new scheme, a new curriculum and a whole lot of stuff. But we want to have the very best we can for our children. And so they're going through transition. Uh, maybe you're going through some, some transitions. My family is, uh, my wife and I, we we're going through some transitions. And uh, my son and daughter-in-law are going through a transition. My daughter uh, is going through a transition this year. Maybe you are too. Maybe you're starting a new career or financially you're going through some transitions or bringing in new children. Or I know there's some pregnancies and people are all excited. Just, but some people just got married. And, and there's just a lot. of just, We stay in a state of transition. Transition is, is defined as moving from one state or place to another. Or having some event that happened that just brought transformation. Maybe you've gone through something before that was such a powerful event. Everything in your life changed. Having children is one of those. When, when, you, know, when, you, when you bring children into the home, it, everything changes. And so maybe you're in the middle of transition. And so in the middle of all of that and at the beginning of this new year, my goal is that we not miss God in all of the transitions, because it's so easy to do. And so if you're going to fill out, you know, on the sheet, the, the very first top, the, the fill in the blanks are missing God in the transitions. And so that sounds like, it's just, what do you mean missing God in the transitions? But have you ever known somebody whose life was in turmoil or things got really difficult and they needed to transition or things needed to change or were going to change, whether invited or not? And in the middle of it, it hit them by surprise. And their first reaction was, well, where is God? Or why is this happening to me? Or have I been doing all the wrong things? Why is this going on? And so if we're not careful, we begin to question God instead of look for him. in all of the transitions, because what God is wanting is to move us out of our comfortable places and into the transition so that we are fully and completely his. And so there may be things in our life, habits in our life, or things that are going on that he wants to get rid of so that he can use us in greater ways. And sometimes it's easy to miss God in the transition where he's inviting us into something and we just miss it. Remember in our series of Jonah, we had a series just a couple of months back where we went through the book of Jonah. And God invited Jonah into this great adventure. And Jonah's like, I don't want to do it. And he just runs in the opposite direction. And for the first part of the whole book, and even the way that it ended, Jonah missed being a part of a great work of God, all because he was just so caught up in his own world. Well, let's look at Matthew chapter 19. In Matthew 19, here's this one occasion where Jesus is just having a casual afternoon with his apostles, and they're just walking. I mean, they're just hanging out. And this guy's young man who apparently was a young business owner, decently wealthy. I have no idea how much. The Bible called him rich. But he just walks up to Jesus and he makes his request. Let's look at his transition. Matthew 19, starting in verse 16. Just then, 
a man came to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Hey, I want to go to heaven. Uh, what do I need to do to go to heaven? Everybody wants to go to heaven. Am I on the right path? Am I doing the right things? What do I need to do? Why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied, there's only one who is good. And that is God. But if you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Well, which ones? He inquired. So Jesus replied, uh, here's the Ten Commandments. Don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't give false testimony, honor your father and mother, and love your neighbor as yourself. I mean, there are others, but he got the picture. He's like, yeah, 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 yeah. All these I have kept, the young man said. What do I still lack? He's like, I've been going to church all my life. I've been doing the right thing all my life. Is there anything that I still lack? Maybe he's looking for a to-do list. Now Jesus stops. So it's, it now it's no longer about your behavior. It's no longer about what you do. Maybe you've already decided, I want to be a Christian. I want to follow Jesus. I want to do the right things. But what do I still lack? So now Jesus says, okay, if you want to be perfect, what do you mean perfect? You want to be complete. You really want to go for it. You really want to give God the best you have. You really want to make a transition. You really want to do this right I mean, if that's you this morning, you're like, hey, you know what? I, 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 have, I am a Christian and I have been doing some, but this year, I really want to pursue God. I want to do something bigger. This, I, want to, I want more of God inside all of me. I really want to do it right. What do we need to do? Well, if you really want to do it well, you really want to go for it. Jesus says to this man, go and sell your possessions and give it to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. Give up your life. Give up everything. Sell it all. Give it away. Give it to the poor. And come follow me. And when the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. So the Bible calls him rich, he calls him young, and he calls him a ruler. What did he give up? What would he have given up if he had followed Jesus? Would he have given up his age? Would he have still been young? Yes. If he had given all of his stuff to the poor, do you think God would have rewarded him for that? Or do you think he would have said, no, I'm not giving you anything back in return? Has God not promised you cannot outgive him? So the guy even knew following Jesus, I may give up my stuff, but maybe it was the ruler part. Maybe he liked being in control of his own life. I like being the boss. I like telling people what to do or where to go. I want to be in control and I don't want to give that up. And so he walks away. It was a transition. And, and, and Jesus invited him into transformation and he missed it. He went away sorrowful. I know Jesus loved him. He loves us too. But don't you know that God is calling you to more? I guarantee you in an audience this size, there's some of you sitting here and you're like, you know, if I really were to be serious about it, I need to do some things differently. If I were to really say, from now on, I want to give my whole heart to Jesus. There's some things I'd have to give up. I may have to stop talking the way that I talk. Or going the places that I go. Or doing some of the things that I do. I may have to pick up and start reading my Bible more. Spending more time in prayer. Or something like that. And I know that... They, and so maybe just sitting here, you know... God is calling you to more. And only you can decide if you've said, you know what? We're going to do that. I'm going to do that. 
I've made a decision that I've wasted enough time. I don't want to do that anymore. Because I, I, I can see your faces. I'm looking around the audience. And I know that there are people who are sitting here who have already said, I'm all in. We're doing the more of that. We're, we're changing. We're transitioning. We're, we're going to run after God in a new and a better way. And there may be others who are delaying. And why do we delay? Why do we stop? When God is calling and we can even feel it. What is it about us that makes us stop, that, that causes us to not really follow through with that? Well, I just wrote three things down. So if you have your outline and you want to fill in the blank, then fill in the blank. The first one is the picture's not clear. Sometimes we say, no, I don't want to do it because the picture's not clear. In Matthew 19, he's like, what must what I do? You know, and what do I still lack? I mean, he's asking these questions. I mean, I've got some good behavior. But the picture is not clear. Tell me what that looks like. And so Jesus started to tell him what it looked like. And so he had a pretty clear picture by the end of his story. But what about you? Sometimes for us, the difference is, well, the picture is not clear. Well, so what do you want me to do? Because if I can't figure it out, if I can't see what you're calling me to, I'm not doing it. And, and that might even be, you know, some wise advice. Wait until the picture is clear before you take a new job. What would my role be? And how much am I going to make? And what is expected of me every day? How do I win for you every day? So before I even take the first step, I really want to know what that is. And so we do that with our careers. Sometimes we do it in relationships. And oftentimes we'll jump into a relationship just because we find them attractive, even not knowing where it's going to go. I don't know. I'm just taking it one day at a time. I love it so far. And if you're not careful, you're going to compromise on certain decisions early you're going to think it's just okay, but it won't come back and really take root and show itself until down the road. And, and we've probably all made mistakes like that. But sometimes we just hold back because, the, well, the picture's not clear. I just can't figure it all out. Well, just show it to me so that it doesn't require faith, and then maybe I'll do it. And so that's one reason why people just stop. I, I just can't figure it out. Have you not known people before who have held on to a life that they had? It wasn't a good life. Maybe things were even bad in their situation or even in a relationship. But they held on to it too long because they couldn't decide or the picture wasn't clear on what would happen next. It's one of the things with abuses. I would much rather keep the abuse that I have instead of trading it in for the abuse that I don't know of yet. And we get paralyzed because there's not a, a, a clear picture of what God might be wanting to do. Number two, the assignment is too daunting. It, it's too big of a task to ask. You know, Abraham, God called Abraham. He said, Abraham, I want you to pack everything up and I want you to move. I'm going to use you. You're going to be the father of a brand new people that's going to be my people, that's going to be Israel. And look up at the stars. Your descendants are going to be greater than that. I'm going to bless those who bless you. And Abraham's like, I'm, in. I'm all in. What do I need to do? God said, pack up and move. And I'll show you where we're going to go. Now, would you have signed up for that? I'm just going to pack everything up, and I don't even know where I'm going. I'm going to resign from my job. I'm going to tell everybody bye. I'm going to have the goodbye party. I'm going to ask for a tree, a money tree, because I'm going to need a little bit of money. And then after that, I'm going to be like, okay, I've got the U-Haul. Everything's packed. I'm cranked up. Which direction should I head? 
And God said, start northeast, northwest. Just take off northwest. And Abraham did it. And he stayed on that path for a while until it got too daunting. Abraham had a brother named Haran. Do you remember this? Abraham had two brothers. One of them died unexpectedly. And it really, it took the wind out of his sail. And so as he packed up and left, he started going up northwest until he got to a city that had the same name as his brother, Haran. And when he got there, he was so overcome with emotion, it paralyzed him and he couldn't move from there. He just sat in that city for years, just grieving. Maybe something has happened to you that, was, that hurt you so desperately. You're having a hard time moving on from there. And, and the transition seems overwhelming. You know God was just so gracious with Abraham. He just took his time. And he just said, Abraham, sit here. Look up at the stars. I'm going to bless you. You can follow me. It's going to be okay. But God was so gentle with Abraham. And he'll be so gentle with you. Through all of your transitions. Through those rough moments. And you don't know how you're going to get past it. But God is like, if you'll trust me. I'll move with you past that. Remember Moses? God was calling Moses through transition. My people are crying out. They're in slavery down in Egypt. And I need a leader. I need you to go down. First of all, he's like, well, God, what does that look like? He says, well, you're going to go to Pharaoh's house. And he's like, I can't do that. Last time I was there, I murdered a man and they know about it and I'll be killed. And God's like, you can trust me more than that. And then he continued, it's too big of a task. I can't do it. I can't even make my mouth talk right. And God answered every one of his objections. And God's like, I need you to trust me. I need you to go. I know the path isn't clear. I'm going to be the way, the truth, and the life for you. Fix your eyes on me. Now, that sounds easy to read out of the Bible. But it's not always the easiest to follow, is it? Fix your eyes on Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. I'd rather fix my eyes on everything else. I've got this peripheral vision. Right? I can see, I can stand here and look up at the top where Trent is. I, I can, and, and I can nod at Trent, and Trent thinks I'm giving him my full attention. But I can tell you what's going on over here or what's going on over here. And when I, I might be looking at you, but I can see when people are coming in and out of the doors or going to the restrooms or all that kind of It's all right. It doesn't bother me. But I, I'm just aware of it. But I want to tell you what I'm talking about when it says fix your eyes on Jesus. And I want to tell you an embarrassing story. Years ago, I don't even know how long ago it was. It seems like it was forever ago. Suzanne and I were shopping in Walmart. And, and I don't even know what we were shopping for. But we didn't have our kids. And so I was just, I uh, was with her. And we were, she's picking out something. I don't remember what it was. And all of a sudden, this a young, attractive lady came in with, I don't even know, I, I think she had on a short skirt. But it was one of those where, Men, every, every man in here knows exactly what I'm talking about, where it was, one, it was the kind of look that would make you want to go, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> so I went over, <laughs> some of the men in here are saying, I don't, honey, I have no idea what he's talking about. <laughs> just let him have his moment, he knows. So I just took two steps closer to my wife. 
and just kind of hovered. And she just kept shopping. She just kept looking, and she was just looking for We went around the side, and we went to this other area, and I'm just like hovering right on top of her. And I'm positioning myself, and I'm turning and all like this. And finally, Suzanne just stopped and just looked at me and said, it's hard not to look, isn't it? And my answer was, I'm not looking. I'm not looking. (laughs) And she's so gracious and so wise. And she just smiles and she says, I know you're not looking. But you're in tune with exactly where she is, aren't you? I don't ever want my wife to feel less than enough for me. Ever. Ever. And if you know my wife, she's the most wonderful woman on the world. Amen? Oh, man, is she wonderful. And she's calling me out, but she also knows that there is something inside of us. I know it's in all the men here, and it may be inside you ladies too, where there are things that catch our attention. And we may not look at it. We may not want to look. I know in your heart you want to do the right thing, but there's still something that is competing with your principles or your morals or your character or your focus. And so Jesus said, I need you to go from peripheral vision down to tunnel vision. It's like looking in a telescope. I need you, instead of seeing all of this, I needed you just to focus in on this and take that sight and focus it on me until you... You can't see everything else. So that's what we're talking about with transitions. We're we're talking about, I I know, to, to make the path more clear, fix your eyes on Jesus. When it seems daunting, when it seems too big, fix your eyes on Jesus. Tunnel in and and focus in on what's really important. And then number three, we'll say sometimes the timing isn't right. Well, the timing isn't right. Well, maybe that's a good idea, but not right now. Or it just doesn't feel comfortable to me. I don't know if I can do it. But I love that verse in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11. It's that chapter where, you know, he's saying there's a time and a season for everything. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to give, a time to withhold from. A time to, you know, go forward. A time to hold back. A time to reflect. A time to rejoice. There's a time for everything. And then verse 11, he says this. But in his time, he makes everything beautiful. But God has a timing for you and for your life. And the transitions of your life. And if we'll just learn to trust him. He may move you through some just uncomfortable things. I don't want to tell them what I've been doing. I don't want to expose that. I don't want to have to change. I don't want to have to deal with this. Because like if you'll just open it up. And if you'll just trust me. Then I'll move you into the places that you've longed to be. So I know that's where a bunch of us are today. And so on the next page of your outline at the top, it just says God's transitions lead to transformation. They're not always easy, but they will lead to transformation. He's wanting you to be holy, to be pure, to be righteous. He's wanting the fruits of the Spirit so that no matter where you go, no matter what conversation you're in, you can always put it up next to the fruit of the Spirit and ask right now, 
Is everything I say, everything I do, is it full of love and joy and peace and kindness and goodness and gentleness and self-control? Wow. So God's wanting to transform me into something greater. You look at these two verses of Scripture, Jeremiah 29. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and an expected end. Now when he says, it's not plans to harm you. It doesn't mean that it's not difficult. When you begin to really reveal who you are to the people who know you best, and you make a decision, I'm no longer going to keep any secrets. It may be uncomfortable, but God's like, even then, I'm not trying to harm you. I'm trying to rescue you. Will you trust me? It's not always the easiest thing, right? But it's the only thing. That's how God is going to move us through these hard transitions. Oh, I love this next one. 2 Corinthians 3.18. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory. Pause just for a second. Do you remember in the verse before he's talking about Moses? Do you remember that time when Moses was leading God's people out of Egypt and their wilderness wandering? And the Bible says that Moses would go into his tent and he would just spend time with God. And the Bible says that God would talk to Moses like a man does with his best friend. Whew, that would be awesome. But this one day, the Bible says the glory of the Lord just came down and filled the tent where Moses was. And it got so full of the Lord's glory, it just started glowing. And people could see it from the outside. And Moses couldn't even stay there. People could, came out of their tent and stood, the Bible says, at the door of their tent, all facing Moses' tent. And Moses comes out, and if you remember the story, he comes out of his tent and his face is glowing white. And people are looking at it and they're turning their head and they're scared. And so the, the, the glory of the Lord went back up. Moses went back into his tent and he put a veil over his face so that the people wouldn't be scared. And he came out. But all the people knew that he had been with God and that he had their full attention. And it, and it grabbed them so much that they began to trust everything that Moses did and said for this brief period of time. But if you follow the story, it says the longer Moses moved away from that event, the more his face would stop glowing until it just wasn't glowing anymore. And the people went right back to doing what they were doing before. But he's like, this is very different from us than it is for Moses. Moses had this one encounter with God and his face was glowing and his life was full and everybody knew God was with him. And the further away from that event, the less he was glowing in the glory of the Lord. He says, but God has a very opposite plan for you. Just read it. With unveiled faces, we contemplate the Lord's glory, but we are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. The more time you spend with God, the more you're going to glow in the Lord the more the glory of the Lord is going to be shown in you. You'll begin to talk like, act like, walk like the Spirit of God that's in you. And people will notice. And that's transformation. That's what God has in store for all of us. That we'll become a holy people, ever transforming into the glory of the Lord. Until we're just full of the Lord and people can feel the presence of the Lord. 
I'm telling you, and I was just bragging on you in the foster care thing just a couple of weeks ago, but when those families came in and they're writing me notes and stuff, had another one this week, had someone this morning, just a family who just said, thank you so much for what you did. And they just visited back and then they gave back. They just gave a donation to our church for everything that we're doing as just a way to say, thank you. The spirit of God is in you and in this place. And all you did was said, God, use me to bless somebody else. And, and the glory of the Lord is beginning to shine more and more in you. Isn't that awesome? So I do this every year. And so if you're new, if you've only been here the last year, I want to share with you something that's very important to me. It's the foundation of everything that we do at this church. And it is these four promises of God. And so if you're filling out your outline, God gave you four promises. He gave them to you through Moses in the book of Exodus. And he still has them alive today. It's the same four promises he wants to fulfill in your life. It's what Growth Track is all about. Leland did such a great job of just saying, hey, today is Growth Track, or not today, but next week we start Growth Track all over again. It's a series of four classes that not just get you involved into the life of this church, but explains how God wants to partner in your life to fulfill these four things inside you. Here are the four promises of God. Exodus chapter 6, verses 6 through 7. The children of Israel were crying out before God, and God said, Moses, I want you to go to them, and I want you to say this. It's called the four I wills of Judaism. Therefore say to the Israelites, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and mighty, mighty acts of judgment, and I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God. The four promises of God. I'm going to, and if you're, full, you know, if you're writing them down on your outline, he's like, I'm going to save you. And I'm going to free you. And I'm going to redeem you. And I'm going to fulfill you. I'm going to take you through these transitions in your life that's going to bring real transformation. First thing I'm going to do, if you feel like your life is wasting away, if you feel like you have nothing else to live for and that everything is closing in on you, God's like, just cry out to me and I will save you instantly. I will save you. All you have to do is cry out to God and he will save you. And then he says, I will free you. And if you remember, the children of Israel were leaving and they didn't see themselves as mighty warriors. They saw themselves as slaves. And it continued for a long time. And God said, I'm going to free you so that you no longer see yourself as a slave to anything. And one day you're going to stand on your feet, a powerful army of the most high God. And God's like, I'm going to stay with you through that transition. Through that transformation, whatever is a bad habit in your life, whatever you're struggling with, whatever your addiction, whatever it is that is causing people to back away from you or relationships not to last or finances not to work in your favor or your career, you're just trans one thing to another. God's like, let's just stop the madness. And if you'll just trust me, I will free you from those things that have had a grip on you that it's been embarrassing. And I'll, and I'll love you through it. And then number three, I'm going to redeem you. Restore the value of your life. Because some of us don't feel very valuable. We feel like, why would God use someone like me? He knows everything I've done. Why would he use me? Because he designed you to be used 
in his service. And he created you with a gift. And he wants to set you free to use that gift to his glory. And so I'm going to redeem you. And then I'll fulfill you. I'm not going to stop until you become complete, perfect, as your heavenly father is perfect. I'm going to keep moving you because I want you to be a holy people, a pure of heart and pure of mind. And those are the four promises of God. They're seen in Moses' life. They're seen in Jesus' life. They're seen in the death, burial, and resurrection. They're seen in this simple communion meal that we take every week. And when Jesus was with his apostles right before he went you know, and was crucified, he had this meal and all four of these cups, four cups in the Passover meal. And he holds up the first one and he says, you know, this is the cup of salvation And everybody's like, yeah, this is when God rescued you from Egypt. And when he heard your cry and he sent you out and he rescued you and they drank the cup of salvation. And then he held up the cup of freedom. And this is my body, which is broken for you. As often as you drink this cup, you're going to proclaim my death that brings you life, setting you free. And then he holds up the third cup, the cup of redemption. And this is my blood which is shed on the cross to pour out as a sacrifice for the forgiveness of your sins so that you can stand before God pure and holy and redeemed. And then he held up the fourth cup, the cup of fulfillment. And he said, and this cup, I will not drink again until I drink it with you in my father's kingdom. And he set the cup down and they walked off and into the garden of Gethsemane. And he gave his life so that he could fulfill these four promises in you. And that's all he wants to do. And that's all we do here at First City. So all we do at First City is we try to partner with God so that he can fulfill those four promises in your life. That's why we do growth track. That's why we do small groups. That's why we do everything that we do. And if it doesn't fit into one of those four promises, we don't do it. And so we have narrowed down what we do to just those four things. And so your invitation, your opportunity is that you can now just look and see, okay, what is it that, how am I going to participate? What am I going to do? And at the bottom of your outline, it just says, here are some opportunities just in January and the first part of February. And so coming up here in January, we are going to start growth track again. We're going to cover the four promises of God. And we put them up on, you know, every week growth track. And it's so that we can, you know, know God and find freedom and discover our purpose and make a difference. That's our language around the four promises of God. And when you attend growth track, you'll exit and you'll know exactly who you are in the kingdom of God. Exactly how you can use your gift to bless other people. And let's just take a step together. And then there's 21 days of prayer and fasting. That starts this next week. And so this next Sunday, for the next 21 days, our church is going to go into prayer and fasting. We want you, and I want, I'm just calling you, I'm asking you to participate with us. And if you've never fasted before, it's the giving up of something good for something better. Usually in the Bible, you see it's where they gave up eating, they gave up food for more time of prayer, more dependency on God. You can give up Coke, you can give up sweets, you can give up computer, you can give up, you can give up something And create more time, more space for God. And it's very important as we start these new initiatives with foster care coming up. And we want everybody involved in all of that. And so we have our small group leadership training. Small groups are where we really believe that people form trusted relationships. 
and start sharing openly with people. I've been struggling with this. Will you pray for me? And real transformation begins to take place. And our leadership training is coming up in January. Maybe God's calling you to be a leader, to really lead a small group. And so we'll do that training in January. And then we have a couple more events. And a marriage event is one of them. Oh, we're going to, you know, we have some for marriages. We have some for women. We have some for men. We have some for youth. We, all the events that we create are meant so that you can partner with us and take one more intentional step for transition, for transformation in whatever it is that's going on in your life so that at the end of this next year, you will know, man, partnering with God, partnering with First City, we all came together. We transformed, we moved into our community in more intentional ways and God has really been blessing us. That's what we're all about. And that's what this message is about. That's what this communion is all about. That's why we're here as a family. Tyler, I'm glad you're here. We've been waiting for you for a long time. I want to pray with you. And then after that prayer, I've just asked Beth if she would play and they'll just play some instruments. This is the place where we ask for prayer. I don't want you even leaving today without asking God, how can I give more of my heart to you, Lord God? And so I'm just going to end. It's not, it's not even been an hour for our worship, so we really have the next 15 minutes if you want it. Take your time. But I'm just going to go stand over on the side. I see Alan, one of our shepherds, standing back here in the back. I see Terry standing back here. In fact, if you just want to pray with somebody, this is the place where we ask for prayer. And so after my prayer, I'm just going to ask all of you to stand and then come and share in this communion with God together. And just come and husbands pray over your wives, wives pray over your husbands, best friends pray over each other. And just thank Jesus, say thank you for giving us your life and shedding your blood and for rescuing us, for bringing transformation. God, what can I do? Like the rich young, what can I do? To have more of you inside all of me. And then don't miss it. Don't walk away today sorrowful. Just say, God, whatever it is, I'm I'm yours. Take more of me. Use me in your kingdom. And then we'll have another song after all that's over. We'll end our worship together. We have orange baskets where those of you who have prepared to uh, give your offering, your, your contribution to God. Thank you for your generosity. I want to pray with you. Bow with me, please. Lord God, you are everything to me. You are everything to us. You've rescued us out of the pit of despair and set our feet on solid ground and put a new song in our voice, a song of praise to you. You are our firm foundation. You are the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. You are the bright and morning star. You are Jehovah. You are the almighty God. The great I am. The author of life. The creator of heavens and earth. And we honor you today. We say thank you for all of your glory. And all of your greatness. And all of the things that you have done. That have brought us to where you are. All we want, God, is more of you. Thank you, Jesus, for not holding on to your birthright with your Father, 
but you stood up off the side of the throne and gave up your life, humbled yourself, became a servant, was born as a man, lived among us and pointed the way home so that we could be where you are. And we long for that day. Thank you. It's your sacrifice that we honor today. It's your death, burial, and resurrection that has set us free. And we tell you thank you. And as we participate now in just this simple communion meal, we eat and drink in honor of you. And our prayer is, O Lord, transform us until we are completely yours. Teach us how to give you our whole heart. Lord, we believe. Help our unbelief. Move us in the direction of heaven. We are your people called by your name. Thank you for being our God. In the name of Jesus, amen.